This week's episode of Radio Loud is brought to you by nothing. <laughs> we do this because we love it. I actually thought when you hit the mini pad over there, you had something queued up. I was like, what? <laughs> My ears kind of perked up there. Oh, right. No. No MeUndies. No Stamps.com. We're just doing it because... Dollar Shave Club. The love of the game, man. We'll get there one day. But, yeah, this is made possible by viewers like you. <laughs> and the love we have. So, yeah, uh, this is Radio Loud. I'm Douglas Delbert. Joining I'm me today Stephen is Stephen Weber. Weber. And we got... Sorry we missed you last week. Uh, you know, it turns out you can't do a talk show if you can't talk. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you were under the weather. I was a little bit more than under the weather, man. By I was a couple like, of degrees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking, I had texted you earlier, like, the day before. I was like, I don't think that this, this week's... is going to happen. Yeah. It's like, okay. So I didn't want to be that dude, like, canceling the day of. Like, I can't stand that. It's like, if you know you're not going to be able to do it, you usually know, unless there's some sort of, like, emergency or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, it was like... I was... Okay. I enjoyed my day off. I was, <laughs> like, fucking... John Malkovich and Con Air Cyrus the Virus sick man. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, that that's like pretty much all my shit. Like all I have from like my week in the past was I was like really sick and my car battery died when I could finally go to the grocery store and I had to do all like pull a battery out and charge it and be all worried about that shit like while I'm just like ill. And then my fucking neighbor comes to me and is like, uh, the, the bathroom is leaking into the sea, into my bathroom. Like 4 a.m. text. Because like the last time I happened, he was polite enough to wait until, you know, like acceptable hours to text somebody. And I was just like, no, dude, you have to call me immediately if this is like happening. I was like, I don't care if it's in the have middle of the night. Have you seen the damage? Has he like showed you? Yeah, he's, it's not too bad. It's just a little bit of discoloration or whatever. He's been like pretty good sport about it. But uh, yeah, I ended up having to like figure out what kind of faucet I had because it's not marked and then figure out what was wrong with it. And it's like a mowing and they have these little cartridges on the inside and it was just a whole ordeal like my fucking valves were frozen so i couldn't turn the water off right away and just like going through all that shit i'm just sweating my ass off like working in the wall working in the dark because i'm a foul bachelor and i only have a few light bulbs that i don't use in my bedroom because i'm never in there so it's just dark in there so i'm like fumbling in my closet with a flashlight Trying to get the cats not to fall into this. Just plumber, plumbers cracking it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, the valve is like in the wall between some studs, and it's just a pit of doom below it. So I'm just like thinking to myself, what if one of the cats get in there that I'm not supposed to have? And just ordered up falls. Down. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What do you got from this week, man? Oh, it's been. So I, sh I shared the bug bed bug story, but it has taken a while for me to mentally do adjust. Keep talking. It has taken a while for me to mentally adjust to, like mentally, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh shit, maybe I have bed bugs, and it's hard to sleep. 
Like, it's hard to sleep, you know? Like, any little itch, like, I got an ingrown hair on my leg. I'm like, that could be a bite. You know, I, I, I'm psychologically damaged. But I finally have started getting some decent sleep. Like, I know that I don't have bed bugs because I'm not a, an idiot. But I'm finally starting to get good sleep, and it's... Hey, man, it could happen to anybody, man. I know, but I don't have them, and it's been about... <laughs> I'm not a filthy human being. <laughs> It's like two in the morning, and I feel a shake on my shoulder. And Brittany's like, "You need to wake up." So, did I share the story of my ordering a headboard from Amazon? I tried to order a bed frame. Uh, not that I remember. Okay, I, I tried to order a bed frame from Amazon. It was supposed to be two boxes. Out of the three attempts that I made to get this frame delivered. It only succeeded once, and it only got half of it. Oh, yeah. You seem to have problems with Amazon delivery. I usually never do, but this time I did, and I got full refunds every time I tried to order it. But anyway, so I just had this headboard sitting in my bedroom because there was no frame for it. And I, Brittany's shaking me at 2 in the morning. You got it. There's something in the headboard. And I'm like, how long have you had this? Like a month. It's okay. just been leaning up in this corner. And I'm like, She's crazy. She has no idea what she's talking about. And I sit up and I can hear it. It's like a scrap, a scrape, scraping, like Frank Reynolds is about to climb out of the inside, (laughs) uh, from the inside of a a couch, you know? Like I can hear scraping coming from the headboard. And it's not coming from somewhere else. I put my ear up against it and I can hear like a nail scratching on the other side of it. (laughs) So I, you know, it's like two in the morning. It's like, oh, it's haunted. I tipped it over. I like tipped it over. I like shook it. I like smacked it. I hit it. I tried to get it to stop. Some response? It, you, no. No. It just continuous scratching from the inside of it. So I'm like, I'm, I fumbled and like punched this, is really this thing. Spooky. Yeah. I fumbled and punched this thing for a good like two and a half minutes. And then when I laid it down in like the the entryway that we have it, it stopped and i was like all right well i'm going to bed fuck it next day i like set it back up it didn't seem to make any sound maybe five days later the same thing happened it was it, i don't know what it was i was tempted to like take a knife and cut it open and see what was going on but i just donated the fucking thing to goodwill <laughs> Have my dad come. What the fuck? <laughs> I fucking have my dad come pick it up. We load it up in the truck. I'm just like, you guys can have this. It's a perfectly good headboard. It's haunted though. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Like honestly, what the fuck could survive that long? On it the would inside? have had to have been there in months for months, right? I, I think because I had it, I had, I had it tilted up instead of like the lengthwise while it's how it's supposed to lay. I think maybe something was settling in there, or like the leather at first was, I don't know, like adjusting or something over time. I don't know what it was, but but you couldn't be fucked to open it and find out, could you? <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna like cut it open with a knife, and the zippers that it has are sealed underneath. Like it's impossible. Unless it's a super small thing to get in there because it's stapled shut on the bottom with leather pieces and the zippers are pulled underneath what is stapled over. Like, you can't open it. Hey, man, factory's got critters. Yeah. You know? It's gone. 
<laughs> Some sort of fucking undead skitter on the inside. It is fucking gone. Stefan! Stefan! I was just like, the weirdest thing was the dog didn't react to it in any way. Like, the thing that gets set off by footsteps downstairs... It's like some Edgar Allan Poe shit, man. Maybe it was just in your fucking heads, man. I don't know, but it's gone now, so no more headboard. (laughs) (laughs) I just like how you didn't, you, it was enough to be like, nope, not opening that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, it's perfectly good, and I'd be really pissed off if I, like, cut it open and there was nothing wrong with it, and I just, like, ruined the, the headboard, but I guess it doesn't matter, so I just donated it anyway. But they wouldn't have taken it if it was damaged like that. Mm. I don't know. Someone's going to get a nice haunted headboard. And they'll have a good story. (laughs) I I told Brittany, I was like, what if I cut it open, though, and it's like the mummy, and it's just full of scarabs, and that's how we die. (laughs) (laughs) That that movie has one of my all-time favorite just, like, shit-on characters from the first one, Benny. Oh, the the shitty uh, helper guy? Yeah. Yeah. But now, yeah, now it's back to not sleeping very well. Every little itch on my body, I'm just like, oh, am I infected? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know if I told you this, but middle of the night, I like, I had like a couple itches. This was like right after the incident happened. And I sat up with like my phone light, just like watching my, my under, my only underwear body on the bed, like uncovered, just like if they're in this bed they'll come and bite me and i'll be able to see him with my phone camera <laughs> and Brittany like woke up in the middle of the night what the fuck are you doing it's just like i don't know <laughs> you're I'm like checking. you're like fucking ripley on the like earth dock space station after she gets back and she's having like the nightmares of the xenomorph yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it was like it's terrible but i'm finally getting some good sleep but no i'm sleeping i'm sleeping too much you know uh, I'm sorry if it fucked with you. It probably did when I sent you that picture of you sur- superimposed over the bed bugs. That wasn't that, that bad. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> you just texted me back. You're like, gross. <laughs> <laughs> but I did ask. I was like, can you add the 50s, like, <laughs> the shitty spooky text? Yeah. Just like, oh, bugs. living dead. <laughs> bugs. <laughs> Radioactive bugs. They're huge. That one, that uh, before we made it a highlight, that got us a lot of play. That that was one People of our like better the bad stories. Yep. So that's why one of the reasons we try to start an episode with some tales in the week just start you off with some stuff that you're not going to hear about anywhere else. Just a little bit of. I got another tale from the week too. Oh yeah. So, have you ever? I mean, it happens to everybody, but just. A store or something that you have a linked childhood memory just getting closed down. You got one of those? Uh, I don't know about closed down, but like demolished. Maybe, maybe one will come to mind once you tell your story. So I was I was driving to the doctor's office last week, um, and I took a way I don't usually take. I haven't really driven that way since I was a kid, but I passed like the first McDonald's I ever went I ever went to where I got my first McFlurry. I don't know why, but seeing this thing destroyed and just being a flat gravel lot was weird and mildly unsettling. Come on, there's like a million of them, though. I know, but it was like, I where I had my first McFlurry, like when McFlurries came out, I got one there. And it was just like a pit of gravel. And I know there's a million of them, but it, that's why it was weird. Because I have no real emotional attachment to 
McDonald's. But I was like, oh, I had, I had a weird childhood memory there where I had a McFlurry for the first time and almost cracked a tooth on an M&M or something. It's uh, harder for me because where I live currently is not where I spent my formative years. So That's like, true. A lot of my like childhood attachments are um, are attached to a different geographic area that I have no desire to go back <laughs> to. Like the people are nice, but there is just nothing up there. There's no opportunity up there. It's the uh, the it's, untamed lands. That's why uh, uh, people say to me, it's like, oh, I just want to move up north and like raise my kid or whatever. I'm just like, for God's sakes, don't. And I try to just tell them like what it's that what they don't get is it's like cool for them. You know, if you're an adult and you want to get away from society for a kid, it's terrible. They are stuck there. And if it's the only kid that is that age, you know, and what are they going to do? Yeah. And like you're going to be stuck like if you're a good parent. Like, my parents went out of their way to make sure I had, like, you know, friends and attachments and stuff like that, but they were going out of their way to, like, drive hey, us, man, they, you they know? turn the lawnmower into a race car for us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, they, they were going out of their way. Uh, there was, like, other kids in the town, but they were older than me, you know? So, I don't know. I got probably exposed to like more inappropriate things through them quicker you ever seen a playboy <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a, that's something that uh the kids nowadays will not never have to deal with like when you wanted to like get your hands on some pornographic magazines you had to go a out communal community effort yeah you had to go out with your friends and find someone's stash that was just in a stump someplace yep and they're like oh cool porno mags yeah you get lucky you find something maybe at the park which is probably disgusting right (laughs) we uh we found uh we were lucky enough to have some friends that were um they were kind of maintaining like a apartment complex and we dumpster dive in the back of this stuff and we found a mother load we just like somebody probably like got a new girlfriend and just dumped their porno stash something like that and we were just like oh the gods have given us a gift we're just like these def- desperate uh like middle schoolers and we just like found this huge porno stash there's like oh everybody gets to take their pick there was a guy at work telling me that they used to have like four or five vhs's that they'd circle around their friend group when they were younger because that's all they had one of them was like a, a not a good one, just like a super large woman crushing a man, and sometimes they'd slip it in the other one and oh, bamboozle each other. <laughs> but uh, I do. I speaking of mother loads, I remember half price books. Then they had the one on Brown Deer Road. It's not there anymore. I remember I went there once, and some guy was trying to trade in half price books his <laughs> porno mag stash. And he was like, "There's some really good stuff in here." You know, he had like two garbage bags full of porno mags and he's just he's busting out like the top three or five and like th- throwing them out on the counter he's just like what do you mean you won't take these there's a lot of value in these if Got there it. was a lot of value in them sorry guy you'd be selling them on like ebay or an auction house not half price books the guy behind the counter was ready with that and he said maybe to you but not to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I could not imagine just, like, having that little amount of shame 
going into an establishment like Desperate that. Desperate times. Like, yeah. Maybe he was a drug addict and needed his next fix or something <laughs> like that. Oh, now we have the internet. So, I hear there's a... An orange monster? Yeah. Rampaging across the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, there is. It's the new NHL mascot, Gritty. And what'd you say? He must be stopped? Yeah. Let's see this guy. Like this is the, oh my some, god he looks like look at this cookie monster i know he looks like cookie monster's weird uncle he looks like cookie monster fucked a viking <laughs> they got they got this picture <laughs> oh my, my friend, god my friend uh texted me he's like why does it he's like i understand like maybe the hairiness but why does it have childbearing hips <laughs> <laughs> So they can just hire any old schmo to get stuck in one of those things. So the now. Flyers actually used to have an older mascot, but um, <laughs> this one comes with googly eyes. Like these eyes Google and they rattle around. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely horrifying, but I'm Dude, I can't say this I'm too one. Surprised. This one, call it this one. <laughs> I can't say I'm, that's like a good uh, look at look at this guy. Oh my god. I, I can't say I'm too surprised considering the last uh, Flyers mascot was pretty similar to this, a little bit noodlier without the childbearing hips and shorter hair. Kind of looked like an orange Elmo almost. And this is the same state that gave us the the Philly. <laughs> the Philly, uh, <laughs> right. what's that thing's name? Fanatic. Yeah, the Philly Fanatic. So I, I That guy's fucking great, though. He and, had that one bit where... Um, he was like doing dance moves and he had a chick that was like from the crowd that was mimicking him and then he like pulls up his shirt to flash and then looks at her to do it. <laughs> I, that guy's already, great. Gritty and the Philly have already danced together, so but uh Look at this. It's like fucking Christmas coming in early. Ah, baseball season's hardly coming to a close and you got fucking hockey butting its ass into it. Yeah, hockey just started, but uh you know, I was looking do you, at... Do you find this thing more horrifying, or do you find this thing more, uh... Here's his reveal party. We got a video. Really? I could not imagine this. Like, oh, we're revealing him. Ah, ta-da! And everyone's like, oh, look at those eyes! <laughs> so do you do you find this more horrifying, or do you find this find this okay? I think uh, he does a couple Fortnite dances in here, because that's what the kids Oh, he starts like. flossing, do some dabs. Yeah, he oh looks like... Oh, my God, look at He looks like eyes. Cookie Monster's... Terrible uncle. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I had said, it looks like Cookie Monster fucked a Viking. Straight up. It this looks like Cookie, Cookie Monster fucked my cousin. He's the reason Cookie Monster's <laughs> messed up. <laughs> so you find this guy more horrifying? Oh, I like him. I like him. He's like a fucking Muppet you can wear. I think we need more Muppets in sports. Why don't we just have Muppet League? Yeah, he uh, those childbearing hips, for sure. Oh, look, he's so silly. I feel like uh, I, I'd like to see this shit. A fucking as Zamboni goes through, they send him out to fucking get on the crowd. He like lays, does that bit. Fucking like hair freezes to the, <laughs> to the fucking <laughs> rink. They gotta come out and like pick him up. My dad uh, once I. I'd mentioned I went to a hockey game. He's like, I went to a hockey game once they fucking had some sort of ceremony where they, they brought out the Zambonis, 
they freshened up the ice and then they rolled out a red carpet and had some sort of presentation. And then once it was over, the red carpet had like frozen to the ice rink. <laughs> and they had to come and like scrape, scrape it, it off. off the fucking oh my ice. God. And it probably like ruined the ice for the rest of the game because there was still more game to go. Yeah, it probably did. It probably messed them up pretty bad. But you don't you don't find gritty nightmare fuel because some people are referring to them as really just the thing of nightmares. Which ironically, I guess they have a new beer coming out for them, also called Nightmare Fuel. <laughs> Is this just a coincidence, or I, it had to be planned? Because they've been building up his release as a mascot over i think the last month maybe because they they did some renovations and they said that they found this monster underneath the wells yeah wells fargo stadium <laughs> so they've been building up this release and then the beer must have been timed with it and it's called Nightmare. so it is like a beer for the mascot though yeah it goes with him i think it's going to be limited release i like them you know what they could have done to make them more horrifying it could have gave him like actual like fake teeth and like punched a few out on the mascot instead of just giving him the, like the blank Muppet mouth. Well, Conan had uh, a little bit with Gritty on there, and they demasked him. I don't know if you got to. Uh... Oh, they pulled it off. They. His name is Gritty. <laughs> yep, that's the mascot's name. <laughs> <laughs> It was really good. They did a really great job. Oh, man. Man, I love me some Conan. I've been uh, watching uh, Norm MacDonald has a show. On Netflix? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I think Letterman has something to do with the production of that. And he... Norm MacDonald has basically taken his YouTube slash podcast show that he used to do. And then he's... Just put it on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. And it's uh, it's remarkably cleaned up. It depends on the guest that he has. It depends on if he has like somebody who's you know is from his past and he's worked with like David Spade. David Spade and him were on SNL together, and he they always give each other shit. So those that episode was like absolutely filthy. But then he has like Judge Judy on. He's like it's cleaned up. Yeah, he's like such a gentleman. And, like, Judge Judy isn't exactly, like... The most buttoned-out yes. woman. Yeah, no. She, she, to her own admission, can be a little filthy, but tries not to do it. But it was, it was like, weird, because you're used to Norm MacDonald being, like, a certain way. And just and having watching him, being him all, not... Yeah. May, uh, watching him pull punches is, is, is strange. Mm-hmm. No, watching him pull punches is, like, what I'm used to. No, I mean, I mean, hold back. Yeah. But uh, I watched Letterman's episode this week, and I've seen Letterman on his show before, and it's, like, weird, like, seeing David Letterman say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, like, a really good episode, because Letterman and Norm have a long history of, you know, Norm going on Letterman being a guest. But um, it made me think of that because Norm's segments on Conan, like, Norm McDonald's and Bill Burr's conan segments always slay they're always just the most epic shit i have ever seen on like late night uh particularly conan because conan's kind of like my johnny carson you know yeah i can agree to that <clears throat> I, conan was is is 
probably still my favorite late night host. I haven't seen him in ages, but I um I am glad he took to doing um the the internet video thing. I think he kind of like laid the groundwork for that. I mean, Kimmel probably did first. Fallon can suck a dick. Um, <laughs> he's his laugh is so fake. I know it's so forced and so and I fake. Know, I know that there are people that just have laughs like that. I've I've been around. You them. can you can tell he is just over laughing in some but spots. I, I'm not a fan of the Fallon late night. Yep. Just overall, that's not for me. Uh, I grew up with Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel taught me what masturbation was. Uh, Mancho. Yep. Uh, I used to watch him on Wind Ben Stein's Money. Yep. And then The Man Show and uh, a bunch of shit. I love me some Wind Ben Stein's Money. Oh, yeah. That is such a great trivia show. Um, And it was cool, like, seeing... I was like, really? Kimmel's going to get to do the late night show now? I was like, that's awesome. But Conan's is still better. Yep. Uh, I, I like... Like, Kimmel has that soft spot in my heart. Like, I can watch him. Yeah. And I always enjoy what he does. But Conan is my, like, late-night TV true love. Yeah. Because, I, I agree with that. Because when I was growing up with Kimmel in, like, Win Einstein's Money, fucking Conan was still doing this show. Like, he's been doing it for a long time now. Like, early 90s. Yep. He, he was... It's been referenced in many pop culture shows that he's doing late night stuff and everything from his lo- for a long time. Even there's a Futurama reference on it when that show came out in the early '90s, mid '90s. Well, how could they not? Like a uh, fucking SNL and uh, fucking Conan O'Brien. They all kind of like shared writers. Like yep. Conan was a writer for The Simpsons, so you know. Yeah, he's just he's been doing what he's been doing. Speaking of that stuff, like. Uh, Disenchantment's finally, like, really growing on me. Like, I'm five episodes in. I'm trying not to binge it. I'm just, like, watching one episode here and there and, like, kind of just trying to, like, actually watch instead of just going into a binge and not watching half of it. But I really dig this show. Like, it's got that... It's got that Simpsons Futurama charm that I... that the Simpsons have even lost, you know? Yep, you can tell Matt Groening is taking time with it. Mm Mm-hmm. And has given it time, which you can tell in The Simpsons and New Futurama not so much. I yeah, like, but honestly, uh, New Futurama, I kind of uh, like I said binged, and I didn't really give it its fair shake. It was just something that was on in the background. Yep. <clears throat> but I like Disenchanted also. It's good. I enjoy it quite a bit. So what do we got on the docket next? Uh, live long and prosper, humans. Uh, we got three stories for you to pick from. You want to talk Apple? You want to talk Elon? You want to talk Witcher? Or you want to talk <laughs> Armello City Council, Amarillo? Uh, that one's, <laughs> that one's like, we'll just go into that one later. Let's talk the, the Witcher. Um, have you read over this? I skimmed an article about this, not the exact article you brought up. Um, so the Witcher is a video game made by a company. CD. Well, it was originally a book. 
And then Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a better lead in. Yeah. It was originally a book written in the 1970s and it has to do with a um basically a witch exterminator like a supernatural exterminator guy. It's like uh, inquisitor, uh witch hunter, uh Van Helsing-esque character. Yeah. And it's set in a medieval type setting. It's not like medieval in the past on Earth. But um I thought this story was interesting because The Witcher 3 was one of the best-selling video games of recent years. And it doesn't really matter if you're into video games or anything like that. Like, this was something when it came out was very well-received in pop culture. It is one of the most successful pieces of media of all time. Video Uh, game-wise, for sure, yeah. yeah. So, um... Basically, uh, the developer, CD Projekt Red, uh, offered the author a percentage when they started developing the Witcher series. Because they made not, we said Witcher 3, so they made two previously, which were not, I mean, there's definitely. Witcher 2 is pretty good. but I mean, there are definitely people that enjoy those games, but it was not the amazing success that 3 was. 3 was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um. So they went to him and, you know, said, you know, we'll offer your percentage of the sales to use your intellectual property. And he's basically like scoffs at it because it's basically an old guy who doesn't get video games. And he's like, ah, fuck that. It'll never succeed. Just give me my cash now. So he settles for, I think it was like 9.5 thousand. Uh, what's the Polish currency? Hold on a second. I th- I think you're in the right ballpark, but the Polish it would be uh, Polish zoilats. Yeah. Um, but I I'm trying to see the amount he was given. I'm pretty sure you're pretty close. On. I don't know if it's in this article. It was some, it was something small though. It was like nine thousand something dollars. I'm pretty sure. So fast forward. This was probably around the 2000s when the first Witcher came out. Uh, fast forward to now, this video game is just this international success. And it could even be argued that more people... People know The Witcher because of the video game. More than the book series. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy is, like, taking a stance that it's, like, bastardized his book sales. When in all actuality... There are more people that have bought his book than ever would have before because of the video game. Um, so he is suing them. Yes, under a, it's, he's suing them for about sixteen million in copyright royalties claim. But there's a he's suing them under a Polish, a specific Polish law and clause, <clears throat> which I don't remember the specifics of but that was the big thing about this but uh what uh the developer has basically said is that there's no precedent for this like we made a deal with you and you basically told us to go fuck ourselves and give us a lump sum because it, his lawyers are trying to argue it was only for the first game though. <clears throat> right and they're trying to say that they just bought the rights to the the intellectual property outright, and he just wanted to pay out. So that's that. Um, 
So he's potentially suing for, I think, what is it, 16% or was it 16 million? Uh, I... It's a decent chunk of change. I mean, this just kind of seems like standard practice. Like, why wouldn't he try to take his fair shake at this? Uh, yeah, it's a little scummy, but... Uh, yeah, six. he wants uh, 6% of the profits, which is about $16 million. So that can give you some indication of how successful this video game was. Mm-hmm. It was very successful. And we're talking, like, Game of the Year awards here. Yep. I remember when that first came out, I was uh, laid up because I had broken my leg. And I was just like... I played through The Witcher 2 going, like, never having heard of it before. Um, just because I had nothing to fucking do, and The Witcher 2 was, like, five bucks. That was even an interesting <laughs> game. And then The Witcher 3 came out, and it's just, like... I still haven't played it. <laughs> dude, it is a... Uh, it is worth... It is worth a fair shake. It is a great open-world game. It is a... Ama- it's one of my favorites because CD Projekt Red is a very small company compared to somebody who'd given you Skyrim. But, like, the game environment area is bigger than Skyrim. Just as good. Or better. Like, the combat's definitely better than Skyrim. Skyrim doesn't have great combat. Even then, I don't care. That's such a great game. It's it's pretty fun. So... I like Red Dead Redemption. I'm a little upset that that's not going to be on PC right away. I'm sure it'll come out eventually, but... One of the uh, interesting things I saw brought up in this discussion was um, the author, like talking about like authors who had books ad- adapted into video games. Metro twenty thirty three. There is a I love that game. Russian writer. I have not played it. I own them. I bought them on sale, and they're just sitting in my library. They're fun. Um, the writer of that book outright said that the writer of the witcher is an idiot a, yeah and a douchebag he has like no he has like no founding for like he has no perspective on the amount of traffic that has been brought to him and how much more sales he's gotten out of it because of the the great success of, of the video game series and I'm guessing that I don't know if the uh, author of uh, Metro 2033 was a little younger, but it, it straight up just seemed like a case of um, the the guy who wrote The Witcher seemed to be of the perspective that video games do not have are some sort of like brainless medium, and there's no like area for artistic expression or expression of story, which is might have been the case in like the 8-bit side scrolling days but is not anymore like you have a awesome grand story that can be yeah. woven yeah you you have stories that can be woven even more intricately than movies can because you can give the um the user or the player the choice and change the outcome of the game based on decisions that they make and you can you can make Which people... Which has just become more and more popular in recent times. Stories used to be much more linear. You're going to find Metro's relatively linear, but now a lot of stories, it's... There's six different endings you could get. Uh, even back in the uh, 90s, you had Wing Commander. That was one of the first games to really like give you... Uh, depending on how you played the game, the outcome of the gameplay, and the choices that you made in like the cinematic cutscenes, 
that had an influence on the ending that you would get. And you could replay the game and get a different ending depending on what you did. Yep. But it's just become more prevalent and a more open roaming style experience where there's many different outcomes to many different narratives where instead of having maybe six different endings, now there's thousands upon thousands of combinations that could play out. Maybe the final credit, the the final scene before the credits won't have that many variations, but the end result of individual the many individual stories and almost like side missions you can do can play out and i feel like that's almost peaked in a in a way you know you've had games that really did give a lot of choice and now like uh the telltale games if you're familiar with that that company just went under oh really yeah um that sucks because they did make some good games but those are linear story progression, yeah. Yeah, they were using that formula of presenting the user uh, with the illusion that they had the choice, but it still followed like the same linear narrative. I don't know if it completely folded, but I did do remember seeing something where they cut their company size down to almost like an eighth of what it was. Hmm. So I had assumed they're on hard, hard times. That's something... Uh, I've always thought interesting about Nintendo is that people in the the Wii U days, before the Nintendo Switch, the juggernaut that is the Switch console came out, um, people were saying, Nintendo better get their shit together or they're going to go under. And it's like, no. Like, Nintendo's not about to go under. They've made so much money that they could continue to take a loss like they were in the previous console for 50 years and still would not go under they are a surprisingly lean operating company with the amount of revenue that they bring in i think they're only they only have like five thousand employees i believe it it is insane how much money versus like what they're paying out that they have brought in in the they're a really old company too but uh just since the 80s since like the home council stuff that they were bringing out um they made so much money that that's why they're taking chances with what they do sometimes it seems like they don't get shit which they don't sometimes like sometimes things don't work out or they miss the mark or they yeah. don't understand but they've hit they don't the mark understand the dab they've hit the mark so many times with something new that people were like, oh, yeah, this is like completely revolutionary to something that they they don't have to fucking worry. Nope. They, they're not operating at a deficit. They're a very profitable company. And they keep their base formula pretty much the same. Playing with your friends. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. they're like one of the last companies that you can really uh, play you know, couch game. Yeah, couch game with, with, the, with the pals. All right, so we going to MacBook stuff next? Yeah. This is something I saw earlier today. This is something that just grinds your gears every time with Apple. Well, it's because they're contributing to, like, e-waste, basically. They're contributing to, like, anti-consumerism where people can't 
take their broken device to somebody who knows how to fix it that's a mom and pop shop because there's a lot of um people who learned how to just like do like small scale soldering and computer repair to repair like personal computer devices and particularly apple products because they've put out so many products in the last decade and a half with just inherent flaws in them just to cut corners on their manufacturing they want them to break so you buy the next one well it's not necessarily that it's that they're just not doing due diligence on their engineering in the first place before they put a product out in the wild they do want you to buy the next one but that comes more into designed obsolescence through the software updates that they're pushing they're pushing out updates that will overwhelm older devices. So you get a new one. Yeah, so you get a new one. But this is something that is outright different than anything that they've done before. They've made it so if you go and get some sort of hardware component, like resoldered into your board, you have to run some sort of proprietary diagnostic tool that is only being provided to authorized Apple retail whatever uh at the apple store basically well they don't really do repairs there they'll take it in but there's like vendors that will do like your phone replacement like if you break your screen you can take it to an approved vendor yeah and they can replace your screen or replace whatever needs to get done unless uh a repair shop has gone through and become like apple approved uh, repair center they will not be given access to this diagnostic tool and if they can't run this tool then it's just straight up going to brick your system soft brick there's absolutely no reason in the hardware that this device should not work it's just one more thing that apple is doing like how greedy can you be they're worth over a trillion. Like, how much more money do you need? Like, what's the end game here? All the monies. <laughs> <laughs> remember, you will remember, but that Apple commercial where the woman ran down the aisle and yeah, in nineteen eighty four, yeah. they were making like making a statement like that. Now through the fucking sledgehammer yeah, into the, the screen. Yep. Now they're the other company. Honestly, it's just fucking corporate greed allowed to run amok. I believe there are inherent good things about capitalism, but there are certain levels that you get to where it's like you need some sort of control. There is what they're doing is not only like screwing over the consumer. It is encouraging people to throw away devices that are perfectly good and that we can't continue to crank out the, like, you know, the latest and greatest and have them thrown away in, like, this few-year cycle like we currently are. Some people just don't care. Well, most people don't care, you know? So, uh, 
Yeah, I kind of felt like I just talked to myself about that for a while. I mean, just, like, I rambled. I agree with most of your sentiments, though. I don't think. This I is think more, this I think is you why should, I don't own Apple products. Like, I've never been an Apple guy, but that was for other stuff. I just wasn't much of a fan. But I've talked, I've talked about that before. I agree with your sentiments. I think it's wasteful. I, I think there's no reason that you shouldn't uh, be repairing stuff until it's complete you know i don't i don't think there's much of a reason not to be repairing stuff if you if you as a consumer still want that product and the means like you bought it it's yours they are outright going out of their way to circumvent to stick it to you so you cannot do this when there is nothing physically stopping from you this is the first time that I've actually seen it where it's like this is a software brick for doing a repair to a de- device. For all intents and purposes, it should work. But it's like, oh, there's something new in here. You got to run this thing for a diagnostic. And I don't like it. So now you don't get to use it at <clears throat> all. Right? Yeah, I don't like that. What do you think Elon Musk would say about it? He would say, live long and prosper, humans. Is this what the humans enjoy? Then I shall enjoy it, too. What our boy, Elon Musk, get himself into now? So, he's getting investigated by the SEC, which we were kind of aware of. But last week, what, I think it must have been Saturday? A little alert came up on my stepmother's phone that uh, he'd been removed as chairman of Tesla. I think he's just the CEO now. But it's because like some shareholder uproar. Public public relations. Yeah, which uh, you know I don't really fucking agree with. You know, it. He didn't even inhale. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. But uh, like I said, man, it's it comes. It's so easy to get one notch on your belt and then everyone's looking at you. Oh, well, yeah, especially if you're are, fucking Elon Musk. Yeah, and people you know? are just like, people are going to sit there, they're going to nitpick you, and then it's just a real slippery slope real quick. My dad always would quote this thing uh, that was presented to George Lucas about... Um, somebody who had done a hit piece on him when the first Star Wars came out and uh basically the movie had just it wasn't even out in theaters basically and this reporter did this just slam article about how it's a piece of shit and then you know it opens a couple weeks later and it's a fucking phenomenon and lucas was just like going back to this and he was like man that fucking like reporter like really got in my head and um even though, like, there was so many positive things, like, going around about the movie, it was, like, this one negative thing that really I focused in on. And he had this thing. He's like, you got to learn that there are creators and destroyers. And you just got to... You just got to learn to take it, you know? Especially if you're in this situation like fucking Musk is. I'm not, like, a... I'm not, like, trying to S Musk D... S. Musk's D. <laughs> but the but it's like my dad said. He's like, I think it's a good vision. 
Yeah. I think it's like it's a noble pursuit. Now, I don't I I agree it's a noble pursuit. I don't know the inner workings of it and I don't know what the Securities Exchange Commission is going to turn up or if this is going to end up being the Dale Carr incident that we talked about. <laughs> I I don't want it to be, but but I mean, the thing is, like with the Dale Car, there was never a product out. It was just a yeah. concept for a long time. Like and there's we've Teslas been in Teslas. on the street. Yeah. Both of us have been in a Tesla yeah. before. So I, I'm not saying that that's what this is. I'm just speculating that I don't know what's going to turn up the juicy bits on the inside. But he has a noble vision. I don't know if I. I mean, I can I can kind of agree that maybe. You get to a point in your age and you shouldn't probably be using Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your age is showing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> President. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I feel like... Because um, it looks the like... The platform's evolved with that because a lot of younger people don't even use, like, Facebook, you know? I feel like that's kind of been delegated to my generation and even like you are part of my generation and you have signed off of that. There's nothing in it. But the I guess there's a stipulation that his Twitter account is going to have oversight too. So, hmm. But I just the slippery slope. It I'd be happened like, real fuck quick. Fuck all that. I'm Elon <laughs> the, Musk. The, the slippery slope though, it happened real quick. Like not even two weeks after. Bam. He's not chairman anymore. Like you said, he didn't inhale. That was another thing, though. Like, a lot of people shit on him for, like, you know, stories of how employees are treated and stuff like that. And then they go and immediately shit on Musk for it, where it's like he's part of a company that has boards of directors. It's not like he is the one setting the exact policy. There's a lot for of layers. Everything. In a, yeah, there's a lot of layers in a corporate environment like mm-hmm. that. And a lot of times... But he gets it because he is the public face. Yeah. He's the one selling it. A lot of times, the people at the head are actually relatively disconnected from mm-hmm. the lower workings of the body. Right. That's just how it is, though. On, on large-scale operations, I can't imagine Elon Musk has every single right. <laughs> aspect of three companies under his eye. Mm-hmm. He's, did he sell PayPal? Oh yeah, that's how okay. he like got yeah. into this. But like he, he made has, some sort of video so he, game. He started PayPal off of the yeah. money of that, and just but he sold he's he sold PayPal right. Yep. He doesn't okay. So he has Tesla, SpaceX, the Boring Company. Okay, uh, and there's another one I think. Yeah, do you think a guy that has all that Solar City? <laughs> do you think a guy that has all these companies has? fucking every little thing underneath the microscope i don't know so. you pay people to do that for you <laughs> he goes i have a good i have a grand vision for going outer space having electric cars solar powered cities and he, you found companies and draw people in that agree with that noble vision or pursuit in this case i find those good pursuits and noble visions and then you start employing people there's no way he has oversight over individual employee now (laughs) like the guy not following osha regulations fucking putting a goddamn solar panel together on somebody's (laughs) roof you think elon musk knows shit about that 
fucking that guy not being strapped upright. Yeah, or... s- some guy uh, <laughs> to get to the rafters puts a solar panel over the forks and a forklift yeah. and goes up basketless. <laughs> yeah, that's not something he is probably in the know of. Now, what I wanted to ask you about is, did you hear about this whole publicity stunt of um, sending the first private citizen to go to the moon, basically? Through the SpaceX program? Yes. Yeah, it was a It's like a Japanese, Japanese billionaire. billionaire. Yeah. Billionaire. Yeah. Now, I watched the little presentation about it, and it was kind of cringeworthy, but I can understand why they did it. They wanted to, like kind of blow this guy for all the money that he's giving them because yeah. they need capital and I they think like building rockets cost money how old this guy's an older man right no he's not that old it's, well i don't know like you know japanese don't crack man <laughs> i don't know how old he is but i mean i'd probably have a cringeworthy video if i was about to go into outer space well yeah that was there was like a presentation I'd be walking around the mtv astronaut costume just like we're going to space but he had this whole thing about bringing artists to the moon, which I don't know if I like it or if I don't. It would be interesting to... He he put out this like little thing about wanting to bring artists from different categories of art to go along to the moon so they can be like inspired by it. And like I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to build PR... And they're trying to get the public interested in space exploration. That's like why we did the space race. And public interest petering out is why we haven't been back to the moon since. Uh, you just can't okay, get people so convinced to like spend their tax dollars. Let's say they don't take artists. Who would you take? Uh, scientists? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, people who like, okay, I appreciate art. And I know a lot of artists, and I know artists enough to be like, you know, some of them are very virtuous, but most of them, uh, you know, not, <laughs> okay, I'm not, not I, exactly the, the, the best people. I guess I, I'm curious about what artists they take. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and be like, yeah, you I'm sure take, there's going to be a vetting I'm, process. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't really think you should take Bono and the dude from Maroon 5 <laughs> up to the moon. <laughs> I'd rather see some t- scientists go up, but maybe, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see, you know, take like a architect, like a, some sort of famous architect up to the moon. I think it would be cool to take artists to the moon. I get where you're saying we should just take scientists, but can't we do like a... No, I'm not a, saying we should just take scientists. I'm just saying I don't exactly know how I feel about this presentation. Like, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get like public interest into it. And I feel like some artists might do some cool stuff and like use their influence to spread interest in it. But the way it was presented, it was just like, this is so fucking lame and this is so not art. This is just some like rich guy. Yeah. Like, I'm trying wanting to, to do I'm this. I'm trying to think of what artists would go to the moon uh, that I, what artists would go to the moon that I probably wouldn't Send want to Shakira see. Send Shakira to the moon. Yeah, that I probably wouldn't <laughs> want to see. So it would probably be, What's the dude from? What's the guy from Maroon good Five? Uh, I don't fucking know yeah. anybody. Yeah, but dude from Maroon Five, Bono, Banksy would probably go, and then he'd just draw like moons on everything. Um, MJ's skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would fucking uh, get a fucking casket that just says Moonwalker, and then just shoot him into a crater. <laughs> <laughs> 
they like yeah they drill a hole and they just insert them into the moon um what other artist art, quote-unquote artists would i never want to see go on a moon trip jackson pollock because he was a drunk and he'd just be he'd either be withdrawing the entire time from alcohol or he'd be trying to make a jackson pollock from his vomit what if they sent uh bruce willis and johnny depp because they're bruce artists Willis, they're artists they're actors i guess i feel like um bruce willis is still in like the green armageddon. i do i still i still like bruce willis johnny I depp too, but i feel like he'd go armageddon the whole time just like we got to blow this asteroid off <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp has entered into the Nick Cage category where he spent so much fucking money that he's to keep making shitty movies. Whereas Bruce Willis can kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. I think Bruce would be good, but I feel like he'd be Armageddon the whole time. Let's see. Who else could we send up? Who else? Yoko Ono. (laughs) (laughs) She'd get back and she's like, I wrote a song about uh, Trip to Moon. It's called... You get put Cardi B on, <laughs> put Cardi B on the moon. <laughs> She'd rename it the Oom. <laughs> I wish Steve-O was here. You could do their little bit. I can't recreate that. That's just too. Oom, Oom, stupid, stupid. <laughs> uh, oh, they'd have to send David Bowie to the moon. I'd love to see that. <laughs> David Bowie's ghost. Yeah. Oh, Bowie, so far out there, man. Yeah, put. Put Bowie and MJ on the moon. That'd be cool. Yeah. I didn't watch the the cringe video of the billionaire Japanese man, though. Yeah, it was pretty cringy. Yeah, let's not do the uh, the politic guy. We don't need to talk about him. Is this like Whip Snake? Kind of. It's just like a little surreal, but yeah, let's not... Let's not do that. You don't want to get surreal. We're about an hour in, so uh, you want to take a break? Yeah, we can take a break. All right. We then will I'll watch it myself. Be right back. <laughs> Ooh, got me right in the gut with that gut buster. Suggestion box. Funny times coming up, coming to you. Yeah, now it's time to do some jokes. So, uh, you go first, I go first. I'll go first. All right. Playing off of NHL's Gritty. My next one was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Can we design a CCU mascot superhero? Oh, my God. He has to be, like... Does he have to be super, too, and, like, have the same failings? Well, I see I see this route going... This going two ways. Either he is the only successful member of the team... And he doesn't really have, he probably wouldn't have any superpowers if he did. Or he's the lovable doofus who mucks everything up. You know where I'm seeing it going? Being he's a mascot, he's not on the team. But he has, they're they're semi-pro, right? Sure. So in order to get them, like in order to get the fans in, they have to have sponsors. So... They will have a erectile dysfunction fake boner pill company give them a bunch of money if they name their mascot after them. So he'll he'll be he'll 
be some sort of superhero and his super ability is that he can get an erection <laughs> whenever he needs to but that's it and he can skate <laughs> he's great yeah. on the skates do you imagine it'd be some sort of uh I don't know, either like a 40 year old male or just like a dick with a black and blue eye something like that I was picturing a giant Canadian maple leaf, like towelie almost, where it's <laughs> it's it's terrible and it ruins everything for everyone. It gets them into more trouble than even the villains. Or it's a similar to what you were talking about, but it's basically just like a mounty. A ripped, a ripped guy in a mounty hat. <laughs> How about this? Um, just a rubber ring. <laughs> <laughs> just a rubber ring on skates. It's just like it googly eyes on top of a big rubber ring, and it's just like a big mouth that's open, but it's just a, a skating cock ring. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was a skating condom. And then when it goes, it goes through the... Like no, the, these are for like dudes. Sock. He's playing. <laughs> he's playing to people who are trying to get pregnant but can't. <laughs> uh, there was actually something um, that I had seen earlier this week. I don't know how. Oh, it was on um, the WAN show. There was some sort of um, incident where. Um, there used to be this company called NCIS, and they would—they were like a Newegg, you know. They'd sell you your sell you your gear for computers. Didn't Newegg just have some fiasco? I don't know, but uh, this company NCIS went under, and one of the people who do this WAN show from uh, Linus Tech Tips used to work there. They had this thing where they just went over sudden. They went under suddenly. And somebody basically like bought their old servers at an auction and somebody ended up like buying the servers off somebody on Craigslist for like $15,000 and they were able to mine the data for literally everybody who had ever <laughs> made a transaction with this. So they were talking about this. Um, and just to put an APB out there, by the way, if you've ever bought something from uh, NCIX... <laughs> <laughs> you might want to yeah you might want to clean your shit up you might want to change some passwords and uh cancel your credit cards there um but for the uh once the police in the area had gotten wind of it they were like putting out a a message online saying we're looking into this investigation like this is a criminal case now but they brought up on the show a picture of this like little places um police force they are literally just a team of mounties they're all dressed up in mounty gear oh god in a semicircle and they all have hockey sticks down <laughs> I on the love ground it. uh yeah that's all it said on there is richmond ramped twitter was the name of it i wouldn't waste too much time like trying to look it up but did i get that right oops RCMP, yeah. That's it. The Their Twitter picture yeah, was just, that? Yeah, just go to their Twitter page. 
And then it's, yep, hey, there it is. There's the boys. <laughs> I wasn't lying. Was I love I? it. <laughs> I love it. Yep, they could be, uh, we, we should set our, uh, our little narrative in this town. <laughs> little town of Richmond. Oh, and then there could be like the, the Canadian uh, virgin birth. <laughs> oh, little town of Richmond. Wow, interesting stuff. All right. Mountie um, pants. Yeah, I know. What the fuck is up with that? It's like imperial... Eight, like 1800s military poof. It's like some shit I'd expect Teddy Roosevelt to wear. It's like some shit you'd those see shit, imperial those went out of style. <laughs> that shit went out of style with the Nazis. Get Knock that off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how dare you? How dare you insult? How dare you insult our northern brothers? <laughs> well, you, you know those Hugo Boss made all the nacho Nazi uniforms, and they had those poof pants. Yeah, I so, didn't know that's where that came from. The poof pants. Well, it's not where it came from, but that was thighs. like they had it going on too. It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> um. So I had a, just a generic thing. I didn't have anything written for it. It'll kind of have to. We'll kind of have to shoot from the hip. It's called Scooby Doo scenarios. So I, have oh, I one, had another one too. I had one think uh, to deal with that one. No. Okay. I have another read. Okay. Good. Uh, Scooby Doo scenarios. So I was thinking, you know, you have Fred, Velma, Scooby Doo. Who's Shaggy. the other one? Shaggy. Um, Fred, Velma, Daphne. Daphne, that's the one. So uh, Fred is pulling the mask off of uh, the Flyers, the new Flyers mascots. <laughs> Who would be underneath? Well, I liked the Conan take where it was literally a weird, fleshy version of Gritty. But if it was, who would be underneath? Be Bill Burr. And he was like, ah, oh, you motherfucks. And I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for your meddling kids. Uh, I'd say it's the uh, flyer that just retired. You got to look it up. You got to shoot from the hip, man. Uh, we need another Scooby Doo scenario. Be um, some sort of hotel that gordon ramsay is trying to go to scott Hartnell. <laughs> they'd be going to a haunted motel and it would be just dilapidated and shit and the owners is like oh there's ghosts and stuff here and then they'd have one of those celebrity guest things that they used to have back in the day and they'd run into it's it like gordon ramsay what are you <laughs> doing here it's like i'm filming a show here too <laughs> i'd say it's this guy scott hartnell he just retired he just couldn't give up the team. <laughs> <laughs> he just couldn't Oof. give up. He had to still be on the team. I mean, look at it. It kind of... Oh, that, that night's watch has ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Who else man. Would be he under knows there? nothing, Jon Snow. Who would be under there? The the dude from uh, Mastodon. <laughs> What's that guy's name? I uh, don't know. Brett... Uh, is it Brett... I'm, I'm not a big Mastodon fan. Like, I really did give them a fair shake. I put out an APB to the denizens of my Facebook. Brent Hins. That's the dude's name. 
put a put a APB out to the denizens of my Facebook feed, and I was like, I've never gotten into Mastodon. Start me someplace that if somebody is trying to get into Mastodon, they should start. I did that after they came out with the. Uh, What's it called? The High Road? The one with all yeah. the larbers? I love that song. But that's about it, honestly. Yeah, they probably started you on what? Like Crack the Sky? I mean, I started with or Mastodon pretty early. Uh, first I heard of them was like the first. Uh, no, I'm saying like what, al- what albums were recommended to you? Like, I don't fucking know. This oh. is years ago. I don't like them, so I didn't really like take out the, the mental real estate to really like open that up i like listened to it and i was like still not into them i enjoyed uh i enjoyed a couple of their albums oh you know who'd be really good to be under gritty who's that redheaded kid who got the ketchup ice cream <laughs> ed sheeran yeah <laughs> <laughs> ed sheeran <laughs> yeah they unmasked gritty and he is gritty and he's under there he's he they found a monster under the rafters when they're doing the renovations and ed sheeran has been plotting this entire time to open up a market for ketchup ice cream <laughs> and he's trying to sell them at yeah, the they, flyers they unmas- yeah they unmask gritty he's got like a ketchup on the side of his <laughs> mouth or whatever and they're like what is this blood is like no it's ketchup they just wipe away it's like ed sheeran they pull the mask <laughs> off it's just a bloody mess it's ketchup they wipe it away again. It's Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I just never got his appeal. People are like, oh, he does uh, looping and stuff like that. But it's just like, it's so simple. It's just, of course, you can loop that shit and play it with yourself. It's just easy. <laughs> play with yourself. <laughs> There's uh, uh, one of the engineers for the Beatles died this week you know god rest his soul and i was going through some of like the threads of it and um it was basically just like a you know a beetle beat off circle jerk i know you said you didn't you don't like mastodon i enjoyed my time with them i don't enjoy ed sheeran but i don't really enjoy the beatles that much i do not either i do not get the false nostalgia amongst our peers we're like I'm I'm almost 30 and there are people that I know who are just like trying to talk about the Beatles like they are some sort of 70-year-old and they remember them from like the day. When they, yeah, when they toured on the British invasion. <laughs> and uh you will get people who probably have never picked up an instrument in their life online trying to just defend how influential the Beatles were. And they were very influential, but it's built on this, the brick and mortar of very simple pop formatted songs. They weren't exactly progressing anything. They were taking Boy Meets Girl and Fall, Boy Meets Girl, Fall in Love, and just selling it to the masses. And one of the things that I thought was kind of like, well, no shit, was people were like, it's hard for me to believe that they were broken up by the time they were 30. It's like, How is old it? do you think they were when they started? It, well, it, they started in their 20s. Yeah. But, 
you know, that the music wasn't really that hard. <laughs> it's not really that hard to believe, I'm to be honest. Surprised. But then you get people who are just like, try to explain that on an online forum, and then you just have 80 people who are just like, I'm going to try to make a Beatles to this person like he hasn't heard this 80 times before. Because it's been on the radio nonstop. There's <laughs> literally radio stations that play nothing but the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, there's like XM stations that are just the Beatles yeah, station. Yeah, people on my work that just listen to that, and I'm like, I, I mean, I, I get it, man. You, you like that, that taste and that take, but every day, the it's, same 10 songs. It's like Dave Matthews fans, loop. man. The manic depressive Dave Matthews fan marin- marathoner. I Whew. mean, I like metal, but I'm listening to a different album every day or something. I like know? I like metal, but I don't just like metal. I like a lot of stuff, and that's one of the things that people are like. Well, what, you know, if you don't like that, what do you listen to? And it's just like I'm trying to find just the next thing that strikes my fancy that I don't know about. I'm just waiting for that next thing to just be like, oh, I like this just because of the sound that it's putting into my ears. And I mean, that's that's the only judgment that I'm yeah, making we talk, on it. We do, we do jazz and classical and stuff, but it's like... Oh, I, it's hard for me to fathom just sitting and listening to Beatles for the next 20... Well, how, the Beatles were 75? 70s? They were, uh, I want to say maybe late fifties, definitely sixties into the seventies. But uh, but you know, I'm not I'm not gonna listen to I'm not gonna listen to Hey Jude that many times. Okay, it started in 1960. Gotcha. I heard okay. a really interesting hot take. On <laughs> I'm not going to listen to let's see 60, 70, 80, 90. 2000 i'm not gonna listen to the beatles for 40 years <laughs> yeah even if you were born in that era yeah. right that's mental uh that's mental i think it was hard times had a hot take on it it was uh headline said unhinged paul mccartney in eighth hour of hey jude sing-along <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that sucks about the uh, you know engineer. Like, I can appreciate the engineering of the time because they were working with like you know limited track recorders. They didn't have like the unlimited amount of tracks that we could put into recordings nowadays. Yeah, you had to get creative with how to record things simultaneously to get them on the same track and to you know make it congruent. So there was some like feats of engineering in that regard. I mean, the Beatles themselves were a pretty big feat. I mean, not that, not that at this at this point in time, it's anything ground. Look, like it was groundbreaking at the time. Readily, com- like the the formula was, was there for the 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 perfect storm, the commercialization, the marketing, all that stuff. It, it, they had a the perfect storm. That is the thing that I want people to like uh, those super fans about to understand about the beatles that it wasn't just them being good it was people as a conglomerate saying this is who we're going to sell and this is who we're going to make into this icon you don't get that famous without 
the the music machine behind you. And I, I th- there are a few Beatles so- songs I like, but I'm not going to sit, like I said, for 40 years and listen to the same Beatles songs. I'd rather listen to the agonizing screams of people being tortured in a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather listen to Owen Wilson say fucking wow 40 times. <laughs> Speaking of him, I got into this new YouTube show because, like, everybody's kind of, like, trying to do their own, like, YouTube thing. And you remember Kevin Nealon, right? From SNL? Refresh. Uh, You remember Hans and Franz? Dana Carvey was Hans. Kevin Nealon was Franz. You know, the, the, we're here to pump you up. He was the guy who was not Dana Carvey. Uh, Kevin Nealon used to do Weekend Update. Oh, this guy. Yep. He's also in a lot of the Happy Madison movies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and he's in Weeds, I think, too. Hmm. Yeah, I he, know this guy. He's funny. He seems like a genuine dude, uh, but he has this um, YouTube series called Hiking with Kevin, and he does like an interview format, but he just does it with a cell phone on a selfie stick, and they go hiking on trails. So, um, <clears throat> he had Owen Wilson on it and I was just thinking to myself, you know, we, we love to just go, wow, wow, wow. And he's like self-conscious about it. We've talked about this in the yeah. past and about how he should just embrace it. And, uh, he said it several times on the thing, but I was just like trying to listen to him. Wow. There's this, oh. <laughs> now, now think about how he sounds. What the fuck is that accent? I can't put my finger on it. It's like a combination well, of... The most bizarre part about it is his brother, whatever the accent is, his brother doesn't have it as strong as him. It's still similar, but the mannerisms are are different. Do you want me to look up where he's from? Uh, I think he did talk about where he was from in there, but honestly, like... He's got like this southern. What if he he has a southern midwestern? It's like got this southern Cali like surfer vibe thing going on. It's not just southern Cali though. He it's like, uh, like if he was gonna say skull, like he was from California. Californians, uh, Paul punk rock Paul taught me this. He said when he moved from California, one of the uh, ways he would express how we talk different here is the word skull. Here we say skull, and in California they say skull. And I feel like if... Uh, All right, you want to place a guess on where Owen Wilson's from here? Uh, No. Where's he from? I don't buy it. Dallas, Texas. <laughs> but that makes sense because like, I'm kind of leaning like he's this just this pellet, compressed pellet of a bunch of accents. Like it, it the just way says he, he says, was born there, they might have moved around a little bit, but it looks like New Mexico and Austin, Texas universities. So I assume he's from been in the South most of his life. He doesn't have a southwestern drawl or anything like no. that. But wow. he even the way he says wow, it's wow. It's nasally. It's Midwestern, you know? Yeah. Wow. So what was the what, what how was the hike? Did he talk about uh Oh it was great. It was wholesome. Like, most of the fucking uh Did hikes... Kevin Nealon tell him to embrace the wow? No, they didn't even bring it up. But, uh, honestly, like, that show is, like, wholesome because Kevin Nealon seems like a, a, 
just an angel. And when they even just say the fuck word in an interview, he puts in the title in parentheses R rated. <laughs> it's like, oh, Kevin, yeah, awesome. you're such a sweetheart. And the last one I watched was with uh, Rob Lowe. And he was talking about how um, he can see his like audience aging because somebody was like, oh, can we get a selfie with you and this person? Let me grab my oxygen tank. <laughs> Wheel it up here. <laughs> oh, Rob Lowe. I watched that show that he was on briefly, The Grinder. He plays a... He was on Parks and Rec recently. Yeah, he played... Uh, it was a very short-lived lived show where he was a... His character played a lawyer on TV, and then he moved in with his brother, who was a real-life lawyer, and everyone was like a fan of the his show and then he tried to become a real lawyer and yeah it was not good. sounds like fucking matt leblanc being on some sort of english show but it about was just, him being like matt leblanc on a tv show yeah i tried to watch that that show sucked too <laughs> but uh you know it's rob Lowe being rob Lowe. he doesn't really change his persona that much yeah so uh, what's your last read dead fight <laughs> Okay, we got to go through the brackets now. Now that the baseball season is yeah, wrapping up, I'm a little up. curious if I've done these two before. Mm. Fix it, Dad. Mm, I don't think so. Versus car, Dad. I mean, they have some overlap. But they really I do. Feel like fix it, Dad's a MacGyver, and car, Dad thinks he's fucking Night Rider. I feel so like it, it, it almost boiled down to. Uh, Oh, wow. I can't believe I just blanked on... Uh, yeah, MacGyver versus Knight Rider. I feel like Fix-It Dad is going to be building Fortnite structures around himself. <laughs> and then Car Dad is... Better he's red-green in it. <laughs> uh, you know, if I went, if I just put a little gray in here, I could pull off some red-green. I used to watch the shit out of that show. For Halloween. So, uh, Car Dad versus Fix It Dad. What? Like, are you talking about like Home Improvement Dad? Are you talking like Tim Allen versus uh, Hasselhoff? No, I was thinking more like a. Well, it's kind of cha- it's always it's kind of constantly changing. Now I'm thinking like a red green MacGyver guys duct tape and making all kinds of weird contraptions like mini catapults like. But they're shit. Pencil launching. They're shitty. Pencil pencil launching crossbows or something, and then car dad could be anything from driving a Mustang to driving a Mad Max car with fucking a cow uh, a cow plow on the on the hood. You know, <clears throat> I feel like Fix It Dad would win because he's got the tape. He's got the glue. He's got the thumbtacks. That's all you need to pop some fucking tires. <laughs> He's be going fucking... the same route as Grill Dad. Just blow the tires out and watch him die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think he'd die. He'd have to. Uh, car Dad would have to get out of the car, and he'd be like, "Oh, we gotta swap insurance information now." <laughs> you wrecked my antique uh, Monte Carlo or whatever. 
Right. This is such dumb cars. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Monte Carlos, the Thunderbirds, those old cars. Like, even if it's a nice 80s car, you get in it, and it's like, this is kind of a piece of garbage. <laughs> oh. Like, I had a girlfriend who was, she had an old Supra, and she really wanted a Supra, and she got one. It was like a fucking old one. And I was like, oh, yeah. This is nice. It's a blown up Hot Wheel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It was like some square car from RoboCop. A guy at my work had one of those that he re, uh, refurbished. It's kind of slick. Hmm. Never sat in it, though. I never really liked the late 80s, early 90s cars. Kind Too of cars. square. What kind of cars for you? Uh, I like the... Um, like if we're talking Mustangs, which is a shit car, really is. The you know what I'm talking about, like the '90s Mustang. What the fuck was that? It might as well be a Nissan. You know, <laughs> it looks so square. Whereas the um, the '60s era Mustang with like the curves, and it had that like really nice grill, had the um, circular headlights. With like the the fastback on it, and uh, even the later two thousand Mustangs, you know, after the one that I had, that body style, the body style that came out of that was kind of like a throwback to the sixties. Now I feel like they're going back to boxy with this uh, twenty nineteen Bronco that's coming out. I haven't seen that. Ooh, it is ugly, motherfucker. God damn. That is an ugly-looking truck. Look at this thing. Whew. It is just squared off. <laughs> you got the white one, too. What is this, fucking OJ? <laughs> right. This thing looks like an urban assault vehicle out of Demolition Man. I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it, too. I like Audi. Audi I feel like that shit. shit's going to be in the next RoboCop movie if they come For out real. with one. <clears throat> I hate this. <laughs> I hate big grills like this, too. Where it's just like, Bronco, Ford. Oops. So uh, here's a scenario. It, the water breaks. You're going to the hospital. Yeah, the hospital. Water <laughs> <laughs> and it's time to deliver the baby. You know, and there's like um, people say that there's signs of like having heartburn and stuff like that that your baby's gonna like be born with hair, some shit like that. I don't know if you've I've ever never heard, heard of this. This I've never heard of this. It sounds just absolutely bizarre. Yeah, uh, there's like some stuff that people say. Yo, your baby's gonna be born with hair if you have these symptoms or whatever. So I was just like thinking, what would be the symptoms or the superstitions going around if you you know just imagine. You being the father, you watch the delivery. Your baby is born with a full set of clothes on. <laughs> oh, man. Like, not just a onesie. It has, like, tennis shoes, yeah. overalls, some Oshkosh What would be gosh. the symptoms? I feel like my eyebrows would fall <laughs> off. You mean you as the father? Yeah. Having to witness this shit. Your eyebrows fell off. He's going to be born with a full set of clothes. <laughs> like, how could you not see this on the ultrasound? Come on. 
It's like, yeah, you go in for the ultrasound, and it's like, here are the like, little straps for the overalls. <laughs> 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 and as the the cheapskate father, you'd be like, "Oh, um, does the do the clothes grow with them? Yeah. How long how, how long till I have to buy new clothes? What would be the the sign going going to the hospital? My one of my <clears throat> testicles bursts. <laughs> uh, it's not to you. the The mother is the one with the thing in the body. What? Oh, what she gets symptom? heartburn. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, her eyebrows fall off. That's the good one. Still, her testicle can't burst. A boob deflates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a like a like a balloon getting uh, the valve squeezed tight, so it'd be like a high pitched squeal. <laughs> yeah, you'd go to the fucking uh, the the doctor and just be like, "Oh, one of my tits like deflated," and it was like, "Oh, baby's, your baby's gonna have clothes." <laughs> Baby's gonna be fully closed. You're gonna fucking miss out in a couple months. You're gonna save some money. The pregnancy's gonna be rough, though. <laughs> the delivery might be a little rough. Gonna be destroyed down there. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that that's um, that can be a psychological thing if you watch the birth. Just uh, seeing that done to the zone, that it can leave you a little. Ugh. The bat it become the badlands in your own mind. Yeah. Ah, what would happen? I lose a tooth. Your tooth gets wiggly and it falls out. Your, your teeth just start falling out. I was like, oh, she's losing her teeth. Baby's going to be born with a set of clothes. Excessive earwax buildup. You know. Hair falls off of their out of her head. <laughs> I like the boob deflating, I think, the best. Just the high pitch, just like a... I can't even do it. I can't recreate that. You start getting just a little bit crusty on the under boob, like where the uh, where the skin on skin is. What if it's, it's something it's so like, subtle you almost don't even catch it? Right. Um, you start secreting an oil, and every time you get up, it's just a little oily spot left back. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking like a grease stain on the bottom of a pizza box <laughs> you'd start repurposing like uh there would be a product out there for the people who could afford it but then you just have to like start repurposing you leave a grease stain like a pizza hut breadstick <laughs> you'd start uh when you order the pizza you'd start repurposing the pizza table so like <laughs> not have your butt touch your underwear and have it sop through oh but uh, to be greased up like a randy from trailer park boys chris goed up danny devito up all right i am reaching let's take a break and then let's talk about some music music i guess you're gonna point it up to me like this week we decided to just talk about both the the love and the hate for metallica 
Yeah. The you love them, you hate them. Like they are so easy to love and so easy to hate. It's definitely both sides of the the blade. There, we I texted Doug about doing Injustice for All. Are you just going to focus on one album? Well, I think we'll. I mean, that is kind of. I thought we were just going to talk about Metallica. We will, but I I did text you about that album because. I, I hadn't love spent that album. I hadn't spent a ton of time with it, and I guess they just released a re remastered version of it. I wasn't even aware of. Hmm. I'm afraid to touch that one because I am. That is one of the albums that I am attached to. That is like your McDonald's that you had your first McFlurry in being <laughs> knocked down. If that is true, because um, Injustice for All was one of two albums that were my first metal albums i think it's like i think after can you guess it, what the other one was because i got these both on the same day from a fleet farm in menominee falls back when they were still selling cds was it uh mud vein <laughs> oh you're so close <laughs> dude yep ah which one the one with uh break break them or whatever the one with the break stuff yes yeah, the that is the yeah. one that is so that you got it in two dude i am yeah. impressed so um yeah i got that album and it's i got injustice for all days <laughs> like uh i had already had some friends who were kind of like into the whole limp biscuit craze and i was just getting drug along with it and that's what got me into new metal happens. um but this was like my first album, like actually owning it. I mean, I had a burn CD of uh, Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water. That CD was in my house, <laughs> thanks to somebody. <laughs> Some uh, underground Samaritan sneaking it in past your parents. I think they got a uh, block. There used to be this place called Blockbuster, and you could buy CDs there too. Really? I think we got. Uh, I didn't know that. Chocolate covered there. There were three Limp Biscuit CDs in my house for the longest time. Yeah, there was the uh, the first one. I forget what it was called. Uh, Great stuff was on there. No, the first one was the one with uh, the Faith cover on it. I can't believe I'm uh, doing penny, this. I'm gonna uh, look it up. Three Dollar Bill, y'all. That's what it was called. First album, Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Second album, Significant Other. Third album, Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Flavored Water. It was the turn of the century. Don't fucking judge us, you zealots. Listen, like, we were teenagers, and what kind of shit were you listening to? I didn't buy it. I didn't have a choice. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the viewers. Yeah. Just silently that we can't talk back to. Okay, yeah, we had, uh... Oh, crap. There were four. (laughs) There were four Limbiscuit CDs. But, uh... Significant other. I got Injustice for All as part of my first two metal CDs that I ever actually like owned. They were my very own. And I hated it at first. This album like had to grow on me. Like I did not get it at first. But it was one of the only CDs I had. So I had to listen to it. And it really like grew on me. Like and Justice for All is not like a a you pick this up as your first album and then you like it kind of album you know my first metal album that has me thinking about that my first metal album was uh actually cassette white zombie astro creep (laughs) that is such a great album that's i that's all i had for like ever i just had that used banged up cassette 
I didn't even get Metallica stuff because my brother said Metallica sucks. I asked for... What an idiot! I asked for the Metallica album Black, I think, when it came out. The the album's just called Metallica, but everyone refers to it as the Black Black album. album. Um, My brother was just like, you don't want that. Metallica sucks. I was like... I mean, he's kind of right. I asked for it, though. I... I mean, yeah, he's kind of right, but I never, I never had a Metallica album. But then again, your brother isn't exactly the first person I would go. Well, to he it. brought the Limp Bizkit CDs <laughs> into the house, so what the fuck does he know? Uh, I had what other? I had Green Day's Kerplunk, the green and white one. What the fuck was with that? Like, I had a few other friends who had like Green Day CDs. And my Dookie. F- my first CD ever was Smash Mouth Fush You Mang. That's the not Astro that was Lounge. Cassette. <laughs> I, no, it I was a CD sets. for me. Yeah. I had uh, it, that was the one with uh, "Walking on the Sun" on it. And oh no, yeah, I did. I, that was yeah, Smash Mouth. Yeah, we had that. That was that was back when they still had a lot of ska band elements to yep. it. It was like punk rock ska, uh, kind of poppy, but they still said the fuck word. And I remember getting that CD along with like a little boombox that played CDs as my first CD player. Because I had asked for those, and my parents were, you know, they just kind of give it to me. They didn't really you know. The CD? Yeah. yeah. So, first song off it was like, uh, it was called Flow. And, uh... Yeah, it was a good, cool album, though. Yeah, and they said the fuck word, and I was like, <laughs> Uh Anyway, though, Kill em All. So, I hadn't really got to do the Metallica thing, and I was never really... When was this? Like, this is recent? The Metallica thing? Yeah. Well, last year and a couple years before that, I did... Uh, I mean, talking about Kill em All specifically, like... Uh, when this did you... year was the first time I've li- sat and listened to all of Kill em All. Now, I have heard songs off of there. The, the original one, not the remaster? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. I've, I've heard songs off Kill em All. Like, one and some other songs are mainstay radio play. Oh, yeah. One is now... But the interesting thing is, like when, back when that came out, people forget this, and it's easy to forget because they've become such like the metal juggernaut that they are. They were like a garage band underground act, getting no radio play. Same story as Kiss that people forget too, is that Kiss was so beloved because they had this. Oh, it's just the freezer. Um, <laughs> I was like, your cat's making a weird noise. It, they were so beloved because they had to fight tooth and nail to like get fans through live shows, and they played live shows relentlessly, and they pretty much had like a loyal legion of fans before they even got to the point where MTV or the radio would even touch them. They didn't need that. They were wow. already playing arenas, you know? Yep. Uh, so the Kill em All stuff, I finally sat down and listened to all of it, this last week because i had taken a long break because i had very raw very young i had done wait kill them all that's a different album that's and just i was talking i mean follow through follow through i was injustice for all i had finally done injustice for all i had done kill them all that was like two three years ago i did kill them all it's nice the lightning master puppets they got the and i stopped they got their uh that's that's good that's a good place and then injustice for all i just did this week i i misspoke there i love kill them all that has the dave mustaine element to it that i love so much because he 
did. He was some, off the album by that time. But he had. You could still feel his presence in the in somehow the, the song and right. writing goes. And I love Megadeth because out of the four horsemen, you got Megadeth, Slayer, 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 <laughs> Anthrax, and Metallica. And I love Megadeth and I love Slayer. Um, interesting factoid about Dave Mustaine and the recording of Kill 'Em All. They were like going in to record Kill 'Em All, basically, and they decided to get rid of Dave Mustaine. And Dave Mustaine was like basically you know, okay, well, you're kicking me out, you know, no second chance or anything to, like, explain myself. Not only did they do that, they were, like, waking him up with this news and giving him a Greyhound bus ticket, basically saying, you have to wake up, pack your shit, and be at the bus station 45 minutes and not miss this, like, ride home. But well, apparently he was, he was like he was kind of like a junkie and yeah, like he, he was, was real a, loose a cannon. Real mess. But uh, at the time, man, that album is great. Kill 'em all is great. I love a lot of the stuff on there, and even he takes some of the riff structure on there and puts it on. I think he I redoes think, uh, one of them into five hundred two on his first Megadeth release. I I'm, think Hammett. Uh, when he joined right after that, because he was the replacement for Mustaine. I yeah, think he, he was coming Exodus. from Exodus. Yeah. Exodus. Which I did not know. Exodus is a cool band. Today. Gary Holt's been holding it down for them for a long time, and he did just pulled double duty with the whole Slayer thing. And he used to jam with Kirk Whammett. I like <laughs> I like Gary Holt. I like Gary Holt just because he's kind of he kind of coasts along, and I like a lot of the stuff he's done with Exodus. They're definitely not to the rocket propelled levels of the other major four so going through their albums um to take uh kirk Wammett's fucking (laughs) quote from their saint anger dvd that i used to watch because i was still like clinging on to you know metallica in that age like saint anger is where i signed off basically after that album and got to that album he had something where he was trying to explain the um the production values and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you you gotta look past like, you know, the sound and the the album. It's about the content, you know? It's just like some bullshit that some like artist who is just jaded trying to explain their shit says. It's like you gotta look at the content. Like our old albums, yeah, people might like love them or whatever, but you know, they sound like you're recording a tin can. And it was like people are so attached to it. (laughs) They don't necessarily like it for that. They just become attached to it at that period. Like uh, one of my things with that was uh, Lamb of God as the palaces burn. Not the best production value, but I love that um, sound aesthetic because I grew attached to it because it was like. Oh, I I know what you mean. Great album. Oroth, remember that? I showed you... uh, Once they became overproduced, it was like the life had been sucked out of them. Yeah, remember I showed you Goroth under the sign of hell? They did the original version, which the the drums sound like they're recorded in another room, like like they tried to record all together, but the drummer was in a whole other room, Mm -hmm. and then they remastered it, and now the audio quality is up there, but people are just like, why would you do this? Why would you touch that? So Kill 'Em All kind of sounded like uh, if you played guitar and held your nose the entire time. Uh, I think, though, as an album, I thought, production-wise, I thought it was pretty good compared to 
kill. Wait, kill them all or injustice for kill all? I'm getting all. confused here. Yeah, we're gonna okay, get to yeah. kill them all. Kill them all is, yeah. Never mind. You can continue. <laughs> I thought we were talking to justice for all. So uh, they already had like a legion of fans uh, before they even recorded kill them all. They had already kicked Dave Mustaine out before they recorded kill them all. Yeah. They didn't really find commercial success until Ride the Lightning, which was put out on Elektra Records. I'm not even sure if they exist anymore. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. That was that album sold a million copies. Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning. That's cuz it's a, that's probably one of my favorite Metallica albums. That album is pretty amazing i listened to it uh secondary there's some like good songs on it like battery is on it i love that song um and i feel like this was still in the era of um they still cared about that what they were writing because it wasn't like an afterthought i feel like later metallica now is vastly different from earlier metallica because they were like young and they were like just pouring over these riffs and that's like all they were doing and now they've become like these commercial successes and you can hear like i tried listening to death magnetic i haven't I, gotten that far i can't even get past f- fuel t- dude fuel i still get fucking amped when that fucking one individual no it's song. load and reload there's some good like when I listen to those songs, it's so vastly different from earlier Metallica, but it's still good. It's just different. It's they became like this kind of like blues Let's keep rock. Keep going thing. through the albums because I feel like okay, but well, we're getting a little disjointed here. Yeah, I feel like we're a little all over. Ride the, the Lightning was one of their first like big commercial successes. And then they had Tragedy Strike, where um, Cliff Burton died. I think it was in Sweden. They had a bus flip over. And there's a story about um, uh, Kirk Hammett and Cliff Burton drawing Drawing cards. cards For who gets the bunk. Yeah, who gets the good bunk. Cliff Burton draws the ace, and it's like, I want to sleep in... Ace of spades, supposedly. It's like, I want to sleep in your bunk. And Whammet's just like, okay. (laughs) Just keep calling him Whammet. And uh, they just, like, woke up to, like, the bus being, like, flipped over. Headfield got, like, a pot of coffee dumped on him. And uh, it was described as they could all hear each other, like, screaming in pain, basically. But except Cliff. I think he got thrown from the bus. Yeah, outside of the bus, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Basically, DOA. Yep. And Very uh, unfortunate. He was a very skilled bassist. Yeah. I remember uh, living with Nick, uh, that he was really into Cliff. What was the bass solo that... uh, I know it's on Ride the Lightning. I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I know that... He he used to just know that by heart, and he would just play it. Uh, That's one of the things that got me involved in this... uh, Nick sent me a video of him playing that song, and I was like, oh, this dude's fucking rad, man. <clears throat> but uh then they just like additioned a bunch of bass players i think they said they additioned like something like 40 bass players and they were basically in a stupor of drunkenness because they were still like getting over cliff burton dying 
They basically canceled the rest of their European tour, went home, buried Cliff Burton, started going through auditions, like auditioned like 40 different bass players, and then uh, brought in Jason... Jason Newstead. Jason Newstead! Me and uh, some older bandmates used to have this thing where we'd say, Jason Newstead, he's my favorite man! Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they um, they brought him on before Ride, not Ride the Lightning, uh, Injustice for All. Yeah, he did. Uh, he Oops. was on Master of Puppets, right? No, that was uh, that was uh, Cliff. Still, yep, pretty okay. sure. Yeah, yep, yeah. So he came on for Injustice for All, which is the album that we really should be focusing on for the most part. Because that's the one I spent the most time well, you had with. Said this Metallica, week. though. You just said Metallica. You didn't say. I said Metallica and Justice for All. I've, I'd never listened really listened to it, but we can continue talking about Metallica. I liked all the stuff up to this this album that I had heard so far. I liked I, the Black album too. I, we'll get there. <laughs> I liked Kill 'Em All. I liked Ride the Lightning. I liked Ride the Lightning a lot. Master of Puppets, it was good. Master I, of Puppets is my favorite. It was good. And then we're, I got to Injustice for All. As looking back on it, I this is a a great album, I think, as like a entry point. I think Metallica is just a really great entry point for a lot of metal. Do you feel? Yes, I do. But it depends on where your entry point for Metallica is, because you could either turn somebody into like, um, you know, some sort of like disturbed nut after that. I like, or I like, you uh... could dis- you could gain some like true appreciation for roots that's the thing they have their roots which extends through like a good third of their career which is just the meaty they they are legends in that category but then they have their commercialism like era which is not so good for uh i think injustice developing taste i I think for me injustice for all strikes right in the middle almost of that for me where it kind of falls naturally in their release dates hmm. now i could give this album to somebody and i feel like they could swing almost either way now obviously the album after this the black album is you can heavily feel a commercial overtone and there's a reason over why over it bob rock he was a recording engineer and producer who had done bands like uh, The Cults, Bon Jovi, a bunch of 80s acts, which Metallica was in direct contrast to. Like, that was one of their things where it's like, oh, you know, uh, they didn't necessarily say fuck MTV. They said fuck MTV because they're not giving us any play. But then that kind of changed when they started getting some momentum. Mm -hmm. Now... Like, Metallica doesn't feature really yelling vocals on this album. It's more just, like, aggressively spoken, which I thought was really good. And the the way the album is, it's structured in a way that everything you can clearly pick up on between bass, guitar, and drums. Nothing's drowning each other out, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed quite a bit. So my... Standout track, though, on this, I mean, everyone's heard one was actually Dryer's Eve for me. 
I, I can't remember what that one sounds it's the like. the very last track. Mm. And having sat through the... What, what actually struck me was the drumming. Because Lars is regularly regarded as... How should I say this? Like lazy almost? Yeah. Or, or just not very good. Very yeah. Ringo. And... <sighs> Like he actually does some interesting stuff on the drums here, and I my immediately th- my immediate thought was this isn't Lars drumming, this is somebody else. Uh, I don't know. I never really got that fucking feeling from it. Um, but it's probably my favorite song on the album. It's also the closer. I mean, Harvester of Sorrow and Shorter Straw are pretty good on on this album, but Dryer's Eve went directly back to the hardline thrash feel that they had had on previous their previous releases like ride the lightning to me what i uh really liked and like i grew to love this entire album from front to back but uh when i was young and this was my first uh, you know real metal cd um the one that I got attached to was the one right before Dry- Dyer's Eve. I think it's Dyer's. Dyer's Eve? Yep. Um, was To Live Is To Die, the instrumental. It starts with the acoustic. Yep. I And then the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun, I just became addicted to that. I was like, wow, this is fucking cool. And then it, it has this, like, it's like a nine minute ten minute song yeah that was a something that was shocking about this album was i think the average length of a song on here is almost uh the seven shortest to eight minutes the shortest song is five minutes and 46 seconds yeah. no no uh, uh 513 513 yeah dyers is the mm-hmm. shortest but yeah their average runtime is almost six seven minutes which is vastly different from most thrash acts of the time i actually not that familiar with their previous album song runtimes, but I don't imagine they're that long. Now, uh, I, after a while, I learned to appreciate just like the structure of this album. I think this it's is a good. This, it's very good yes, structure. Absolutely, the the way it opens up is just this dueling guitar, very light pad that opens up, and it's just harmonized guitars with a very strong chord progression behind it something that they couldn't do live because they only had two guitar players they would need two guitar players to harmonize and then at least two to get the full sound of the chord progression but um this is something that i feel like they lost in their later days is immediately they have these really cool complicated burner riffs yeah, that's, there are some real burners on this fucking album. Yeah, there are, but there's also extremely mellow, and they're not exactly clean. But let me talk about acoustic points. Let me talk about that a little bit more, though. Like one of the things that their new albums that they try to go back to their roots with, like sound aesthetics that they just don't have, are these like riffs. If you wanted to sit down and learn them you would really have to dedicate a few hours to like learning one little part about it because it's very intricate. 
and there was much more care and youngness and love put into these bits of music. There's a lot of effort packed into very small parts of music that I always appreciate, where it later days it feels like uh, they phoned it in it's a hard it's a hard rock group not a heavy metal group well uh maybe unload and reload but i feel like death magnetic and uh what was the last one that they put out i, I want to say hardwired to self yes that's the one i haven't listened to either of those you yet. can hear them trying to be what they used to be and it's just not there like they didn't sit down and put a bunch of time into making these very dense small parts that would be challenging for somebody to sit down and learn in less than a couple minutes (laughs) so yeah uh i loved blackened and justice for all the title track uh harvester of sorrow it's a good one yep of course, one, but, uh, you know. It's a little overplayed for us. Yep. like Still great song. It is a great song. Um, great music video. Um, it's just crazy to think, though, like how much like airplay it gets now when this was the album that didn't get any airplay. Like these three albums that they had put up to this time didn't get any radio play whatsoever. And that's why people love these so much and is why people start to fall off once the Black Album. Because the Black Album definitely is a major shifting point after this into that. It's not... It's still heavy. That album's still heavy metal, but it's slowly shifting to like a heavy rock type Mm -hmm. vibe. But it's still great. still good. Like uh, still that, a lot of stuff I enjoy on there. That uh, has Enter Sandman, which everybody knows. That was like their fucking hit single, Smash. Razor One Hundred Three played that every hour on the hour. Yep. <laughs> like uh, it used to be every day at three o'clock, I could turn on the radio and Metallica would be on. And honestly, to this day, if I can find uh, fuel coming on the radio and I'm just like driving around, I get a I little. I sent you a video. I get a little amped. I sent you a video yeah. of me listening to fuel. Yeah. There's there's no shame in it. Like if fuel comes on the radio, I'm like, yeah, full five. Gabadabazawu. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny though. Like playing that song, if um, if you actually like learn some of Metallica's stuff on guitar like you can feel how different this is is, yeah like uh, a lot of like the earlier stuff is like very riffer it's like it's like multi fingers and a lot of like uh like trills it's like this hand and this hand like working very intricately intricately together but on something like fuel, it's just like down and narrow and narrow 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 But even then, it's still good. I feel like those albums were still good and still memorable. And then you get to Saint Anger, and it's like, okay, you guys, are, you jumped the shark. You guys lost me. Uh, and even then, I tried to stay like signed on for longer than I should have because I was. It was two thousand three, I think, that album came out. 
Well, I'm glad I got to enjoy uh, Injustice for All. I like it quite a bit. I, I'm surprisingly not a huge fan of Master of Puppets. I don't hate it, but I'm not. It's not. I thought you said you liked it. I'm just saying in my ranking system, mm. I like. Yeah, Kill and all, all the things that the you could listen to. Yeah, Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, probably Ride the Lightning over Kill 'Em All. We're talking about some like old squids here, you know, some old Cthulhu's, yeah. some old metal gods. They got the, they got a Cthulhu song on Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Oh, call Cthulhu. And well. Master Puppets has the thing that should not be. That's a Cthulhu song, too. Really? Yeah. That's a good one. I like that one quite a bit. All right. But so, you need to check out Dyer's Eve again. Oh, like I'm familiar with it, but it's just like not so ingrained in my head. that uh, Jumped out at me. I was just taken aback. I was like, that can't be Lars. We're probably coming Lars from... Lars couldn't even keep tra- time on some of these tracks. We're probably coming from like two different places where you just uh, s- listened to this album with no attachment, where I was literally held hostage by this album because <laughs> it was all I had as a kid. <laughs> and I feel like that era is kind of gone, you know? Where uh, y- if you bought an album with all your money... And that's all you had for a bit? It's going to be on... Yeah, it's going to be playing continuously. Yeah, you would learn how to like it. Like Static would, X. Yeah, you would try to find something. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just like, you could... You just listen to the single, you don't even Toss have... It. Yeah, you don't even have to listen to the whole album. You don't even have to listen to, like, something that is present... Like, the presentation of an album. Does that even exist anymore? On the ones that I really enjoy, yeah. The presentation of the album, well, the pacing, the overall layout. I mean in pop culture, and I don't mean by like pop albums, but like for every uh, use of the term, the Black Album was a very popular album, and that has like a very well put together structure of like the way the songs Go are together, put together. Yeah, and uh, when. I feel like when I say that to you, you're thinking about like, you know, some metal bands and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, there's like concept albums and stuff like that. And they flow together like a narrative. And that's very much so alive in that arena. But what about like the big popular ones? Is there any like popular progressive artists out there right now that are really doing something kind of like narrative like or experimental where it's it's better to listen to everything rather than just their one hit. It's really hard to say what Ed Sheeran's been up to. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been keeping up. Uh, So on that note, you want to, you want to send it away, send it off in a, just gonna send it away, away. away. All right. Good night, everybody. You've been awful.